Welcome to Sometimes Dead is Better, and it's me, Kristen. And me, Chris. And we're here to talk about a horror movie today. Yes, we are. What do we choose today? Um, today was a, what I imagine will be a, a fan favorite selection. I mean, all of our episodes are fan favorites, but <laughs> this one's a, uh, certainly not an obscure movie. It's the Nice Nine-Nine, huge hits, probably one of the highest, uh, most profitable movies ever made, um, The Blair Witch Project. Yeah, and so we'll get into that in just a little bit. But I guess before we get started, what else have you been watching? <laughs> um, so this week, uh, upon the recommendation of my friend Michael, he told me to watch Halt and Catch Fire. Oh. Now that it's on Netflix, which I've never seen before. With Lee Pace. Lee Pace, yeah. He basically said we were in a fight until I watched it. <laughs> so, so I started watching it, because why not? And uh, it's really good. I'm on the second season now. And it's kind of one of those shows where the first season is... It's certainly good, but it, the, it's one of the shows where it kind of finds itself in the second, maybe a third season. Right. That's what I've heard. But now that it's in the second season, I mean, I enjoyed the first season straight up, but the second season is definitely a, a marked like, step in quality. Um, and the show's about, um, so far, the sort of um, these guys in the computer world in the early 80s and uh, these sort of, I mean, they're fake companies, but like competitors of Apple and competitors of IBM. And they're trying to kind of get their um, foot in the door. And uh, Lee Pace is sort of the corporate ex-IBM guy that's uh, trying to basically come up with the first personal computer hmm. that, will, that will compete with IBM. That sounds really boring. Um, but so does, like, say, Mad Men or something when you describe it. Right. So it's kind of actually, Mad Men's actually an interesting uh, comparative comparison. It's, it's very Mad Men-ish in a way, but with a sort of a, you know, nerd quality. And but anyway, it's, it's fantastic. I highly recommend it. It's funny. It has great characters. Who created that show? Uh, I mean, I don't mean to be dismissive, but it's, it's two people that I'm not really familiar with. Their okay. names are both Christopher, I think. Okay. <laughs> um, but it's not like uh, these well-known showrunners. I think this is what they're known for, if I had to guess. And it's pretty steeped in like computer jargon and computer language. So I wonder uh, if they have maybe some background in that world. And now I think it's newly on Netflix. It could be wrong, but it, you know, it kind of recently popped up on my screen. Okay. Unless Michael hacked my Netflix or something. <laughs> But what have you been watching? Well, last time I talked about how Brian and I had been watching the BBC The Office, and we finished that up, and we just weren't tired of them Brits, so we restarted a show that we really love. It's also another favorite of our mutual friend, Ken Lenore. It's called Gavin and Stacy. Oh, yeah. I've heard him talk about that. And so it was created by James Corden. And Ruth Jones, who also stars in it. But James Corden, obviously most people know from one of the late night shows. And it's just, it's so wonderful. It's so cute and sweet and hilarious and filthy and just fills your heart. So it's like a a BBC thing? Yes. And so it's on Amazon Prime is where I watch it. So if you like James Corden, I highly recommend it. Okay. Makes me want to live... Anywhere in Great Britain. All right, so what are we drinking? 
Okay, so this, this is very is a, exciting, right? Yeah, this is a day that's going to live in infamy. We're, we're very <laughs> excited about this. So, as you uh, fans may know, it is very difficult, time-consuming, anger-inducing to find the perfect drink for these movies. Is it anger-inducing? It is for me. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, we try and be creative, but at the same time, I live in a small town in Alabama. I'm not going to travel In quarantine. <laughs> in quarantine. Yes. The parasite thing was quite a coup, I think. What That's was a that good one. Drink? The, the soju? Yes, the soju. So it can be done, but particularly if you're looking for wines and you're looking at, say, Publix in, say, <laughs> Helena, Alabama, you kind of see the same things over and over again. And as you know, there's one brand of wine called Josh who makes uh, several different brands of wine. They're all usually pretty delicious. Yeah, but we always joke about how we're so close to being able to somehow yeah. tie a Josh wine in. Yeah. And we like haven't been able day. to yet. Right. And then, lo and behold... <laughs> Blair Witch comes along, and one of the main, one of the trio is Josh. Yeah. And not even Joshua, but he goes by Josh, at least yeah. in the movie he does. An argument could be made that he's maybe the villain of the piece, or maybe he's the hero of the piece. I don't know, but I mean, he's just so much of a main character as, as Heather, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Uh, honestly, if, if there was Heather or Mikey, anything, I would have done it. <laughs> um, so anyway, we got uh, Josh wine, or I did, and I got the, um, it's the Josh Sellers Legacy Red blend, which sounds even more red, uh, Blair Witchy somehow. That sounds delicious. Yeah, it's quite good. I don't usually get the red blends. So I feel like it's a uh, you know bougie somehow, but I'm also a basic bitch. So, well, I also got something. This movie actually wrapped filming on October 31st. This is already way more creative than I. <laughs> on Halloween, so I thought it'd be fun to go ahead and now that it's close to fall, I got a UFO pumpkin beer. Ooh. And also UFO, an identified flying object. You don't know what uh, came upon the people out in the woods. Who knows? And this is from Boston, Massachusetts. Up there. It's not quite Maryland. <laughs> but it's, it's quite north of Maryland. <laughs> <laughs> and I do like that UFO is literally the one thing that's not even positive in the <laughs> Those town folks told a lot of different stories. They did. They did. So I'm who sure knows? One of them off screen, maybe mention you. <laughs> <laughs> I love those town people. So cheers. Oh, cheers. Yes. All right, Chris. So 1999. Yes. Where were you? Some of our listeners are going to be like, I was born that year. Fuck you. But that's fine. <laughs> no problem. I was a junior in high school. I would have been, uh, I, well, I know I was in college because I went with my college roommate and these guys that live in this sort of college house uh, down the street, sort of the party house. I went with my terrible, evil, oh, oh wait, we're talking about the movie, right? <laughs> right. When we saw the movie? I was making sure we were, okay, so I saw Blair Witch Project. Wait, what were you going to talk about? <laughs> <laughs> I saw Blair Witch. We'll talk about that off air. I saw Blair Witch Project with my horrible, terrible ex-boyfriend from high school. And I remember going in the middle of the day. I guess it was, I want to say it was summertime, right? Did it come yeah, out it in summer? Yeah, it was a summer movie. Yeah, I remember that, yeah. Because we saw it in the middle of the day. And I remember like shaking when the movie was over and coming out into the sunshine and still like looking around being terrified. Oh, that's cool. Really affected me. That's great. I remember, uh, I guess, when I when we went, I mean, I feel like no one really knew what it was about. So it was kind of a, a secretive movie, maybe. Mm-hmm. Maybe that was just the way I felt about it. 
Um, and there's even a mystery about whether it was real or not. I think I figured out, well, it's fake. And I think my, me and my friends knew that. But I remember someone brought like their little brother who was maybe in high school at the time. And he didn't know that it wasn't real. So when he came out of it, he was like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> um, and the rest of us at least kind of knew, well, no, it's like a mockumentary type thing or whatever you, I mean, now you call it found footage movie, but I'm not right. sure back then. Um, you know, were there, was this the first of its kind as far as horror movies goes or were there other ones or? Well, I think the, one of the main ones was Cannibal Holocaust. That movie came out in 1980. Have you heard of that? I've never heard of it. Oh, okay. So it was an Italian movie and it was a found footage type movie where these filmmakers went into the Amazon to try to make a movie and they were murdered. And so the movie was that this guy came back to the Amazon and he discovered the tapes and turned it into a movie. And I have never seen it. I don't want to see it. It's one of those that's uh, kind of like in a the last house on the left type yeah. category. Like it's it's very violent. It's it's very gory. There's sexual assault. There's actual animals that are killed on screen. Jesus. Things. Yeah. So, but before they knew that this was not a real movie, the director was actually tried by the Itali- Italian government for murder because they weren't sure if it was an actual movie or or if it actually happened which is pretty fascinating yeah and so of course the director had to find the actors and be like no 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 look they're not dead they're here this is how we made the movie and then he was released but the movie was banned and it's still very controversial to this day some people try to say that it's a social satire or that it's trying to point out trying to make more of a political statement about actual documentaries where you go into an area that you don't know anything about and you know try to exploit it yeah but some people are like no that's bullshit this was this was just uh exploitive but eli roth was really affected by this movie that makes sense yeah like i loved hostile part one hostile part two was one of those that like the original last house on the left that i had to turn off it made me nauseous like sick to my stomach did uh did eli roth do hostile part two yes okay well the director of Cannibal Holocaust, Rogario Diodata, Italian guy, was a big influence to Eli Roth. And so recently, Eli Roth made Green Inferno. Did you hear about that? I've heard of it. Yeah, I, I, I didn't see it. But Eli Roth, I, I like him a lot. And I love him, like, for instance, in The Glory Bastards. But I know enough where like, I probably won't want to watch his movies. <laughs> right. There's, it, there is a line, I yeah. think, with him. I, I do like him a lot, too. But in Cannibal Holocaust, apparently the movie that they were making was going to be called Green Inferno. Oh. And so Eli Roth made, I guess, I don't know if it's like exactly a remake or what. Again, I haven't seen it. But he worked with the original director, I think, to make The Green Inferno, which is supposed to be just like one of the most graphic movies too which i don't care to see yeah i remember i think i followed him on twitter or something and i remember when they were either making green inferno or about to release it generally followed that you know campaign whatever you call it and i just knew enough to think okay yeah i'm glad it's out there but you know i'm probably not gonna be all up in that (laughs) (laughs) then there was another movie that came out in 1998 called the last broadcast which i have not seen either that was directed by Stefan Avalos and Lance Wheeler. And it had another, it was a found footage 
somehow that tied to the Jersey Devil. Remember, there was an yes. X Files episode about that, <laughs> and I haven't seen that one either. But because like with the Blair Witch guys, they started writing this in like 1994. Oh, that's interesting. So they could have just been a coincidence that both these came out around the same time. And the directors of Blair Witch, who were Daniel Murek and Eduardo Sanchez, said that they weren't really influenced by Cannibal Holocaust. The idea of it is similar, but the execution is much different. Yeah. I mean, Blair Witch is very Blair subtle. Blair Witch also had this sort of uh, interactive, sort of multimedia campaign to it, because apparently, I'm not sure I was aware of this back then, but they, they started like a website like a year before the movie came out, sort of it. Yeah, I remember you that didn't. website. It's still it, active. So, so yeah, this idea, yeah, there's this idea that you know, you know, that this documentary was going to come out, uh, and they sort of planned the seeds earlier about this sort of fake narrative of these, these uh, you know, three hikers that go missing or film students, whatever. So to the extent you were paying attention, you know, you would have thought, oh, there's this documentary coming out a year or at some point that's about this true story about these film students that went missing and. There may be a I don't know, whatever you think. There's maybe a witch involved, and and then I think um, it got some buzz at some film festivals, but there's still kind of a, a hush campaign around it to where you maybe weren't supposed to really talk about it. But I remember uh, there was some sort of documentary on TV before the movie came out. Yeah, it's on like the Sci-Fi yeah, Network. Yeah, that, that makes sense. And I so I think um, a lot of people watched that. I can't remember if I watched it before or after the movie because it was just presented as a documentary, and that that and that special on TV kind of fed into that so um i i I assume that most people knew either way that was that was fake i don't remember i did not know i didn't think it was 100 percent true but i also wasn't sure i think at that point but i do remember the website and like i said i looked it up again today and it's still active it's the same website they had i think and it's it's pretty detailed especially now just with our like obsession with true crime i think it's it's just it seems so modern, even though it was 21 years ago, because the website has like crime scene photos and, you know, photos of the cops showing up and they just kind of like grainy, just kind of like photos that you would kind of look for if you were interested in a true crime case. And then they even had Heather's field journal, you know, what she kind of shows in the movie. And there was like 38 pages that I mean, someone had handwritten out, taken photos of it, made it look worn. I mean, it was... It was a pretty, they put a lot yeah. into it, not knowing if this was going to be anything. Yeah, I, I guess, just think it's you know? interesting because that whole part of it is somewhat removed from the experience now. Like, I think most people that watch it on Amazon, Netflix have no idea uh, about that whole sort of backstory to it. I mean, I guess you could Google it and read about it. But most people come to it knowing that it's certainly a fictional yeah, classic certainly. movie. Whereas back then, when it first came out, there was, you were at least unclear on it. Like, you know, to what extent is this real or not? I would like to know what the younger generation thinks of it, if it's even scary. Like, to me, it's still terrifying. In initial scares, uh, a lot of it, it, some of it is diminished because, A, having seen it before, and B, knowing there's so much uh, out there about what really happened, the, like, behind the scenes of it all, and knowing, like, oh, the directors came out and, like, you know, put these rocks out, <laughs> and, the, and, and the, which is crazy. But it, but but you're, my mind is so distracted by this sort of behind-the-scenes uh, filmmaking stories of it that it sort of removes the scare. Because instead of thinking, ooh, was that the witch? I think, how do the filmmakers do that? Like, how do they not wake up Heather and Josh and 
Okay. Well, yeah. So let's talk a little bit, a little bit about how they they filmed it. So Daniel Merrick and Eduardo Sanchez were co-directors. They're also the writers, but they didn't really have a script. They had a thirty-five page outline, ideas for what this movie was going to be, and then they auditioned actors to improvise, which is fascinating. I don't know why it's not talked about more. Because like even nowadays, I think probably the found footage, I'm sure Paranormal Activity is scripted, right? Yeah, I mean, that's one of the novel things about it is that these three actors, they know what they signed up for, for sure, I think. That's what I want to know, too. How much did they know? They know that it was going to be hard. They were told it was an improvised shoot in a wooded area. Like that's kind of what they went into auditioning for. And then maybe once they got the part, they got a little more info. Well, they did have like a, to sign a waiver, which basically said like the filmmakers reserve the right to fuck with them. So, yeah. <laughs> which is, uh, that's interesting. Uh, so I think they must have known, like obviously when the, for instance, like the famous scene where the, the tents shake, which is still absolutely right. terrifying. They yes. must have known, okay, Step one, we sign a waiver that they can fuck with us. <laughs> Step two, the tin shaking. That's probably directors. You know, that type of thing is, is what I mean. Uh, but also putting like so much into the actors of giving them cameras and saying, okay, you're going to be doing a lot of this filming. They did all that, yeah, I think. Yeah. Um, well, there, mu- there might have been some, I know that there was some principal photography done beforehand. Maybe they did some of the shooting, but yeah, that's... I don't know why the actors don't get more credit for improvising all the dialogue and doing most of the filming. I know that they were told what to do and they were given like a rough outline. And then they were given like directions to the next campsite. That sounds so fun. <laughs> then they found it. Yeah, they, they would be giving a directions to, um, what was it, like a canister or something? Or like a crate? Yes. And inside the crate would be snacks and food and uh, um, I guess direct or some sort of note about what they needed to do that day. It does sound fun. Yeah. But it does, I, and also I think I read that they were never that far from civilization. I think they always kind of knew there was a town right across yeah. the road. But, so it wasn't as scary as it seems as they are when they get lost. But that's a lot of pressure to put on these actors. Yeah, and, they must and, have and I think they really, really been did. into it. Supposedly they got lost a couple times. I mean, whatever that means, you know, you can't really get lost in America, whatever she says, but right. uh, which is a bizarre <laughs> line, but. <laughs> yeah it's like yeah. you can and people do it all the time but anyway yeah it's crazy it, it reminded me of tropic thunder yes you know yeah. it, it, when so they they get thrown out into the middle of the jungle and they think that this is all part of the movie and they think that everything is being thrown around them and they think the director is in charge but the director has been blown up who is steve coogan it's kind of that same idea through most through a lot of the movie they think that this is what's happening when really they are actually in enemy territory. Okay, so let's talk about the three main actors. Yes, fuck, Mary, kill. <laughs> <laughs> Which ones? Ooh, well, kill Heather, right? I hate to say it, but yes. But I feel okay. mean saying that, though, because she does such a good job being that character. But she's, she I mean, she's certainly awfully annoying. I remember even walking out of it, my roommate, Mike at the time, who, um, you know, I worshiped Mike. He was like, he was three, he was 21. He could buy beer. I was only 19. Uh, he, I thought he was so smart and he was, but anyway, I remember one of his main comments was like, that Heather girl was just amazing. That actress is amazing. She's the most unlikable person I've ever seen. <laughs> I remember that struck with me that like both things could be true at the same time because, because she's great in the movie. If you think about it, like, you know, the, yeah. the iconic, you know, uh, I'm so scared scene with the snot yes. and all that. I mean, like, that's some pretty good acting. I think that she's so realistic to me. 
Like, she seems like she's just was just that character. Yeah, that just might be her. I mean, I, I get that. Right. But that character, Heather, the character, not the actress, kill. <laughs> yes. And so her name is Heather Donahue. Yes. She did not do too much more acting. No, she got a huge backlash from this, is what I read. Like, people really did not like her. Uh, because, I guess, the, the very effective job she did during this movie. Like, she was sort of villainized and thought of as, you know, annoying and... Yeah, well, I read now she's growing uh, medical marijuana, so <laughs> okay, I think she's okay. found her passion. <laughs> All right, so Josh, fuck. <laughs> Mary. <laughs> <laughs> and so Joshua Leonard, who's the actor. Yes. And he has been in a shit ton of stuff, tons of movies and TV. He's he's still a regular working actor. Yeah, he's like the TV. He, he directs and writes. I think he does movies too, but he's, he's, he's uh, the most successful as far as the film industry goes, of them, it seems like. He's kind of stuck with it. And he was in a Lynn Shelton movie. Right. Who I loved that director who passed away, which is very, very sad. But Josh is definitely the most prolific actor yes. of all three of them, which is which is interesting. And even the directors, they didn't really go on. They kind of got stuck in that like Blair Witch niche. They also kind of were involved with the sequels, which I never saw any of those. No. But that was about it. Yeah, I'm curious about the... You know, I know there's a sequel... Was there a third? I know there's a remake, too, so I'm not sure which of those were the most well-received, if, if any of them. Right. But I have to say, I would like to marry Mikey, who was Michael Williams, the actor. I thought he was so cute in the movie, even though he threw the map away. Yeah. I think we would get in a huge fight. And it just, <laughs> I mean, look at it. He's very, uh, he's, he gets angry. I mean, so does Josh, for that matter. But, I mean, the, when he kicked the map in River, I feel like it's symbolic of his whole character. So I, I just don't think we last. I would fuck Josh and marry Mikey. You can't change it. Okay. Sorry. All right. Well, Josh, you're on notice. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, so like we said, the actors kind of auditioned for this strange role. Right. And then the people that got it, they they filmed most of it in Maryland, in the town of Burkittsville. Is that right? I mean, it was a real town. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I read that like, the sign got stolen and people were... Right, uh-huh. right. And they ended up filming at a real historic house called the Griggs House, which is a 200-year-old building. That's where they ended up. I mean, we can say that there was a couple found footage before this, but this really kicked things off. And this led to a whole array of different types of found footage movie. There was obviously the Paranormal Activity and the 17 movies that there's been of those. There was a wreck REC. Did you ever see those? There was a Mexican one no. and an American one. No. They're really good. Oh, you mean like record, like record, like? Yes. Okay. Well, yes. is it called record uh, or is it called rec? I mean, it's REC. But that stands for record. Yeah. I think you say rec, okay. though, don't you think? All right. If you're looking at your VCR, would you say, would you say press rec? You say press record. <laughs> You're right. It's called Record. Thank you. Cloverfield, which people forget, is a found footage movie. Right. Yeah, that's true. J.J. Abrams, too. Yeah, which I still love. Chronicle. Yes. Well, another one that people don't think about is End of Watch. Remember I that? I love that movie. I do, too. And so it had a budget of 60000 <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> Isn't that cute? That's like the first movie I could think of, like, I could have financed that. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, true. it's kind of funny. And then its opening weekend, it made... 1.5 million. Its gross in the USA was 140 million. That's insane. And its worldwide is 248 and a half million. It was the number one independent movie for gross sales until my big fat Greek wedding came along. And then that kind of usurped it. 
You know what's weird? This movie was nominated for a Razzie for Worst Picture. Yeah, I don't really get that, but I do remember there being a, a general backlash against it. Well, I mean, I think also people don't like being tricked because like when it premiered at, I guess it was at um, Sundance, they listed the actors as like missing or deceased. <laughs> really? Like they still, they were keeping up with this charade. Oh. And like Heather Donahue's mom even got like condolence cards like sorry about your loss because they obviously the real names of the people were the real names uh, of the actors i thought you were gonna say that the heather, heather donnelly's mom thought she was dead <laughs> oh god <laughs> so they didn't go that far yeah i guess and there's this kind of had a I, I can see the backlash show because it had two things going against it one the sort of authenticity of it you know once people found out you know that's not real like that's sort of trickery like you said and two yeah it being billed as like this scariest movie of all time which was kind of part of the campaign at the time and then ultimately that's kind of hard to live up to. yeah you did definitely had uh, quite a lot of seeds for a potential backlash well, yeah already. and one of their taglines was the scariest story of all is a true story yeah and that was all bullshit even the blair witch and all that story was made up it wasn't like they took an original urban myth like the like the jersey devil or whatever and made a story they made up everything so if you fell for it I could see how you would feel dumb. Yeah. I don't know why the Razzies would get involved. I guess the Razzies are just sort of terrible. I mean, those probably shouldn't exist. I, now, like in my older age, I've just kind of like come to the point where I don't want to hear what you don't like. Yeah. There's a lot of podcasts that are, I hate this particular thing. Let's talk about it and talk about why it's terrible. So I don't want to listen to that. No. I don't want neg- negativity. So let's get, now we'll get into the movie. There's, there's so much about this that, is not about the movie because there's so much going to the process, right. the legacy, the how did we get to this point? Because right. I don't think that these two du- directors like invented the found footage, but the way they did it, I think needs to be yeah. applauded, right? No, yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking because even watching it last night for the first time in easily half a decade or so, I don't know. Um, I was reminded again of how sort of creative it is and, uh, you know, if nothing else, what a great conceit, you know, and the, and they managed to execute it really well too. Like it, so many things could have gone wrong and I guess they probably did. <laughs> I don't know. I did read that it was, you know, heavily kind of created in the editing process, you know. Okay. Well, I, I was wondering how many other crew members were around. I, I, wanted, <laughs> <laughs> I wanted more information about that and also how long... Did they shoot? Like eight days. Eight days. Okay. Yeah, not okay. long at all. You know, okay. um, and there and there were a few, like there were some crew members like carrying like a tent, a few things like that. Because um, really, if you notice, like it's like, where's our tent? It just magically appears when they get there. Um, so they yeah. kind of said, okay, we're not gonna make them carry their fucking tent around. But other than that, it was, uh, they're all kind of off. I don't think even the actors quite knew who was out there. I mean, presumably the director's uh, a key grip maybe. <laughs> <laughs> um, whoever's carrying the tent and then like it was like even some hangers on like the people making the noises like the director's friends I mean are, are they right. on the payroll I mean like there's like <laughs> and that's what's so cool about it it was kind of like this almost like this family dynamic of just people family friends I suppose just right. a project these people got in on for $60,000 yeah and the funny thing is when I heard that number or read it last night I thought really they spent 60000 on this <laughs> <laughs> Well, what was the budget for? Do you remember what the budget was for Texas Chainsaw? It was like seven hundred thousand. Yeah. 
Okay, okay, yeah, okay. So and that was back in 70, 1974. Yeah. So Yeah, that you were introduced to Heather and Josh, who are, I guess, at least friends, and I guess, or maybe students together. Uh, and then you meet uh, Mikey, who's the one they, they don't actually know him. Maybe Josh knows him, right. but Heather's never met him before. Uh, and he's going to be the like the sound guy. Yeah, and he has the dat. That's what they keep calling yeah. it, right? Yeah, what is dat? They, ha- they have to get the dat back. I don't yeah. know, but that's the I think the sound yeah, system. We'll never know. Uh, <laughs> CP sixteen camera and a HI eight video camera. I don't know what any of that means, but I'm sure it's super dated nowadays. But that's what they were given. Even Heather like makes some comment about how they have enough film to film forever or whatever so you I mean, heather's even using for a little bit it looks like almost like a camcorder i guess it's more like a portable camera yeah. but yeah uh, but nowadays you wouldn't need that at all you could easily use your iphone or whatever but i do love that back in 99 they made the director of the student film a woman you know because like we've talked about how there's a lack of female directors period let alone in horror even though she's not showing I mean, she's making a documentary but she's making a horror documentary so i thought that was a great choice yeah, it's definitely her her thing the whole the whole time yeah. yeah that is kind of interesting she's in charge she's the director she definitely has ambition this is going to be her life she's going to make movies but the beginning of the movie it's uh, i love how um i mean it starts off quite fun and yeah you know you're kind of invited in on the the trip a little bit and uh, you know i love like when they go grocery shopping and they're just getting ready for their yeah. road trip um, it really makes you just want to get out on the road or something, yeah. Oh, I felt the same way. I was like, that looks like so much fun. They got marshmallows, and this is going to be fun. Yeah. Marshmallows are fun. They, what could go no, wrong? They have a party in their hotel. Yeah. Um, they have no idea the horrors that await. <laughs> but there's so many stories that are told. Like, they, they first, they, they film in a cemetery, and they're talking about how in the 30s, a lot of children died. We don't know why. Yeah, when I, where I grew up in Alabaster... Back in the 80s, when I was a child, uh, it was around my house is all woods. It was called Thompson Plantation. It was an old mm-hmm. plantation, a literal plantation. We used to have out in the woods the foundation from the old slave quarters, which we used to go play in. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, now, like nowadays, that would never happen because they would preserve it. And But back then, it was just in the woods. Like, no one gave a shit. It's crazy. In the middle of the woods, uh, a little further out, was uh, the Plantation Cemetery. And it was... Uh, and it was not kept at all. Like the gravestones were knocked over, but it was still there. And these were these were graves from the late 1700s and early 1800s oh my gosh. from the plantation. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we used to go out there, not quite at night, but like at time dusk until we got too scared. Right. And this is like deep in the woods, and uh, and just sort of play and like you know and you know tell uh, not you know make up ghost stories and shit that so that's what it reminded me of and that i say it was it was this is all like maybe 100 yards from my house <laughs> but at the same time it was deep in the woods because i lived near the woods that's crazy uh, but now it's that they've preserved the cemetery as they should and it's in a little gated area and but the woods are all gone so it's like in the middle of a neighborhood it's kind of weird that's crazy it was, all, it was all maybe like 10 graves it was super creepy mostly because the i guess local teenagers would go there and like uh you know uh fuck well, I would guess, but, you know, paint <laughs> pentagrams and... Uh, yeah, that's how we're talking about, like, like, on the Mandy episode. Yeah. Yeah, that's what they um, would do. If there was anywhere that seemed a bit remote, or if they could make it creepier by putting a pentagram, they would. But so then they go into Burkittsville. Yes. And they talk to the townspeople, who some of the townspeople were planted by the directors. Right. And so the actors didn't even know, like, some of these people were planted actors. It seems like not. a lot of work 
for these actors again i think they should get more credit but yeah i would think they would guess the the super weird lady outside the trailer that right mary brown yeah yeah and i figured that she's an actress so we're getting into the the blair witch legends um there's a lot yeah so what is the what is the legends because i was having trouble it seems like there's three or four kind of competing stories yes so basically the best what i came up with is children disappearing she haunts a cabin (laughs) or there is a cabin or she haunts a rock well yeah so there's coffin rock where they went out where at some point five men were found tied together and slain right their stomachs were their intestines were falling out but then when they went to go get help and they came back they were gone so it wasn't like none of these seemed to be like for sure you know documented the two fishermen tell the story of robin weaver who wandered off in the woods in the 1800s came back three days later saw an old woman whose feet never touched the ground right there's also mr parr who was an old hermit and they say in the 1940s he came into town and said i'm finally finished yes and then in his house they found the bodies of seven children and I don't know, again, if this was this, was this documented. I mean, it's 1940s. It, again, it wasn't like, you know, 79 AD back in Pompeii or something. So <laughs> I don't know if all of this is legend and it's all getting mixed up. It's kind of like how we talked about in a Candyman episode where all these different legends and all these different stories kind of get smashed together and, you know, what's real, what's not. But with the Mr. Parr story, that's where we get one of the big clues about the ending where he says they bring the children down and put one in the corner while he killed the other yeah, one. Yeah, he make one face in the corner so he wouldn't be watching him while he killed the other one, which is just such a gruesome, creepy, I don't know, that kind of gets in your head already. Yeah. Well, and then the, the woman was telling a story, but all she kind of said was there was two guys who went camping and disappeared. That was her whole story. And like you said, there was the fisherman who told the story about... Robin Weaver. None of that is that that creepy. Yeah, they're all telling story. They're yeah, they're always telling stories about other people that have seen maybe the the Blair Witch. Right. And Mary Brown, who they also said I think was just a, a local actress who no one else really auditioned, <laughs> and so she came in and she got the part. And she's yeah, great, nice. right? She's super creepy, but also interesting. And she tells the story about seeing a woman covered in horsehair. Yeah. I mean, there's not much more to that story either. It's kind of like okay, yeah. But you get the you get the funny the funny line where you know Heather says so she was furry head to toe or whatever she says. <laughs> <laughs> but that that makes it a little creepier later because when you get the stick figures, some of the stick figures are covered in what looks like fur almost. Oh yeah, I, mean, I guess yeah. it's grass or yeah, it could be moss or something. And so later, then we get to Coffin Rock, the actual movie that Heather is making seems like a very much like a student film yeah I'll, it's a I'll, little pretentious exactly. i was about to check about that because in the, in the, in the, when they're in the hotel um you know they're talking about what they're gonna do and heather's like i just don't want it to be cheesy i want it to be up and yes. it's it's so cheesy and that yeah, she's reading from I a know, book and you know, here at coffin rock it's in black and right. white and, right. and her and the way she sort of her her intonations you know is so over dramatic and so maybe the sort of hidden joke of the movie is that this movie actually would have been really shitty <laughs> If she had, like, actually managed to make it. Um. So, yeah, they had their night together where they're drinking some kind of, like, Amstel light beer. Yeah, I can tell what it was. And then they were having scotch, which you don't, like, shoot scotch, Not right? Really. Or do you? No. Okay. I also like that it kind of reminds you how young they are, that you can, like, drink and then, like, still get up 
the next morning to go and shoot a film. Like I could never, I would need to get to sleep by like 7 p.m. in order to get up. And Heather is always in control. She pretends like, well, she, or she really believes that she knows where she's going. She always says, I know exactly what we're doing, exactly where we're going. And the first night they make some reference, like Josh says he hears some, he heard some cackling outside, but they don't show anything. But I love all their little interactions. And if this is all improvised, I think it's really good. There's a lot of funny little interactions they have. Yeah, I think it's half improvisation, half those people just being themselves too, though. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So they get to the piles of rocks and you think, we think maybe that's the cemetery I they're trying so. to get to. Yeah, I think so. I don't know if you noticed, but Josh says it looks like an Indian burial ground, that, yeah. IBG. I noticed that, yeah. <laughs> And so they go back to get shots of the rocks at night. So the second night, they go out and they and they start hearing yeah. things. And that's this is where the it, um, I called it the um, verisimilitude, but I know this uh, you know twenty five dollar word, but mm-hmm. but the the way they shoot this and and this is what remind me of because let's take it for granted, but the especially seeing the theater, but the way it's filmed, it really makes it feel like you're in the woods with the characters. Yes, I think that's what's so scary about it. Yes, uh, because when they're just walking around at night and you're they're filming the uh, the rocks and you. It's just so immersive for some reason. And I think it has to do with the sort of just the handheld camera and the lack of music, uh, the lack of sound effects or, you know, as much less visual effects. It, it really feels like you're there yes. with them. Yeah, that's how I felt. Like, I wonder, like, you, you can't just watch this movie and expect it to entertain you. Like, you really have to put yourself into it. And if you do that, then it's going to scare the shit out of you. Because like you said, there's no music. When you're listening, you're listening with them. And you are trying to hear what they hear. Everyone's been out somewhere dark and you hear every little sound and it's so scary. Those scenes, they still give me a visceral reaction and they make my stomach hurt. I start to get really nervous and they still do that to me. That's why I was saying like, I really think it's one of my favorite movies because it still affects me. Well, it's definitely one of the most like identifiable horror movies. I mean, if that makes sense. I mean, it may be on some level a little bit hard to identify with, say, The Exorcist. <laughs> right. Um, but this movie, anybody Which is probably can, a like, good be, thing. Right. I mean, yeah. in a way, I guess if it, to the extent it's about having a troubling daughter, I guess that's maybe relatable to some people. But but to the like this movie, like everyone can kind of get on board with what these characters have gone through. It's pretty easy. And I think that's what's so effective about it. Well, I also like how, how it builds. They slowly get lost. And yes, at first, yeah. but then they're worried about, I got to get this camera back. I rented it. I got to get yeah. to work. I get work the next day. Yeah. That's yeah. what scared me. I got, oh God. <laughs> <laughs> well, this kind of stuff that seems so important. Yeah. And then at some point you're like, oh, we're going to die. But I, I do love, uh, I mean, it's annoying, but the way they, they're bickering kind of, you know, starts off as sort of light and like, not friendly, but just sort of, you know, like annoying. Uh, and then it gets, it gets more bitter and then mm-hmm. more dangerous. And, and then it, you know. And it apparently it gets meaner, meaner, yeah. yeah. And I suppose you know Joshua Leonard and Heather are really going at it like in real life during the movie mm-hmm. to the point that the directors actually had to separate them one point. Oh my gosh! Yeah, they had to come out of the woods and be like, "Okay, guys, <laughs> wherever they were." And, yeah, and which I'm sure scared the shit out of them. And then they, <laughs> you know, probably wearing masks, whatever. And they had to, and they actually had to rewrite or re-edit some of the footage to make Josh to make them less hate each other because mike was supposed to be the one that was the the sort of outside of the group right well they get lost very quickly like there aren't out there i think the third night is when they they hear the noises 
and they come out and the next morning they find the pile of rocks outside their tent. And then they slowly get more and more lost. We find out that Mike threw the map away, kicked it in the river because it wasn't helping. But this is like the third day or the fourth day, maybe. It doesn't seem like, it seems it seems a bit extreme. That's the, my only complaint about this movie. Well, he was doing it not because it was logical. He was doing it like his, his act of aggression against Yeah, yeah, yeah. You would lose all your bearings. It's just trees. Yeah. It's trees, Kristen. I know. What are you going to do? And that happens. Like There was a woman who not long ago was trying to hike the whole Appalachian Trail. She got off the trail just to like use the bathroom and got disorientated and couldn't get back and ended up dying in the woods. And that happens all the time. She barely yeah. got off the trail. So they are lost. But then Heather finds the stick people and she is like rejuvenated like she is super excited she cannot stop filming these creepy stick people which i think is one of the most iconic horror movie things don't you think those stick people hanging from the trees yeah and yeah it's cool and also i you know the fact that some of them are covered in straw or moss that does kind of go back to the idea of the witch being covered in fur Mm -hmm. But I love Mike's line, or maybe it's Josh's about, you know, these, this isn't rednecks. Rednecks aren't this great. <laughs> Burn. That was probably improvised. I mean, it's pretty good, don't yeah. you think? But yeah, that's a very uh, creepy scene, especially when it cuts to black and white and just completely silent. And the silence of the movie is uh, one of the creepiest things about it. Yeah. And, you know, I, I can't stress enough, like, what would this movie be like if it had, like, a, a horror movie score? Mm-hmm. I guarantee it'd be, like, ten times less scary. Mm-hmm. Because you're listening harder. Right. You don't you don't have the the music telling you when to get scared and when yeah, it starts exactly. crescendoing. It's, it's not deciding for you what you find scary. Yes. You know? Yeah. Heather is the definition of being on her bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> the whole movie. But so the fourth night is when they hear the kids laughing outside. Are the kids laughing? Or are they? I thought they were like babies crying. Or is it both? Well, you, well, you hear kids laughing, which apparently was the director actually took sound from kids playing in his mom's front yard like it was like that (laughs) innocent and he like blared it on these speakers out into the woods and i think there is like there's a baby crying but also there's some monster type noise that kind of comes in like and again you're listening so closely that when these new it's making my stomach hurt just thinking about it there's some like strange monster noise that comes in and then the tent starts shaking and they just start running it's just it's so scary chris like i know they really play those sounds on the boom boxes and that type of thing like i read that but it's what you hear in the movie is that what that is or do they like go back later like i know that's the actors heard but they go back later and do some other sound mix. Yeah, I'm not sure. That's a good question. But I remember camping like in my backyard when I was a kid, as I do with Adam now. And my brother would come out and shake the tent like that and scare the shit out of the me. The way it's shot, you can't even quite tell what's going on because you're not even seeing the whole tent. You're just seeing like the side of someone's body. So it really does feel like you're kind of there. And then one of the great things is when Heather is running, and I guess maybe it's Josh following her or filming her. She says, you know, what the fuck is that? What the fuck is that? Yeah. And apparently, uh, there's it's not a latest thing; it's never happened. But but Josh was supposed to turn the camera, right? And there was going to be something, maybe the Blair Witch, or I've read like ten different things. But there's something that they were supposed to see, a figure of some sort that was supposed to be the big scare scene. I think her screaming at the top of her lungs, "What the fuck is that?" is scarier. It's almost, so you're almost like scared that you don't see it. Yes, because okay. you can imagine a million things. Yeah, I kind of agree because it seems like if they've shown. The witch. Oh, that's what the fuck it is. You know, yeah. you'd be like, oh, okay, that's what it is. But when you're watching, you're like, what the fuck 
did she see? Like yeah. you're kind of still stuck. And your eyes are still looking because in your eyes maybe imagine, oh yeah, I saw something. Yeah. Yeah. And so the next morning the tent is beat up, it's messed up, and then all Josh's stuff is all over the place. Yeah, yeah. I slimed. guess they're saying. <laughs> yeah. And he's saying that there was like some blue jelly shit all over it, which again yeah. it's like this another layer of this no one said anything about entities leaving. Yeah, I just imagine slime out there. <laughs> I know. So it's like, what is happening? And so the next day they lock they walk for like fifteen hours, end up in the same spot. And I love the scene when Josh yells at Heather. And he starts yelling at her about, you know, this is your motivation. You're lost. This is your motivation. Yeah. What are you going to do? I just, did they really improvise that? Because that seems like too good. I wonder. Yeah, that may have been the one of the few scripted scenes, but I don't know. I don't know. That I mean, that's, uh, either way, they both play it very well. Well, the monkey kind of comes in and kind of tries to smooth things over. He tries to be the mediator. Yeah, but that's what one of the things I like about it, and why one of the reasons I definitely want to marry Mike. You know, I mean, I always liked him about how he's you know the, the kind of mean one to Heather, but he's the one that. But he's also the one who put the map in the river. Yeah, because he got mad. He got he, he's, okay. he's a little he's a little rambunctious, you know, whatever. <laughs> but I just love that scene where it's just once they when it's just the, the two of them, you know, spoiler alert. Once mm-hmm. it is two, it's really kind of sweet how they kind of kind of bond. I mean, I guess what else they do. What else are they gonna they do? do. But, well, I mean, that night they all kind of bond. They all are sitting around think, talking about what kind of food they want. Like they want a cheeseburger, yeah. or mashed potatoes. and Yeah, I love that. And then the next morning, Josh is missing. Can we talk about what food they wanted, though? Because that made me really hungry. I know. Me too. It was mashed potatoes. Did someone mention a cheeseburger? Cheeseburgers. Yeah. yeah sorry. Someone wanted a piece of ass, I think, which <laughs> that kind of... Yeah, so nothing really happens that night except they wake up and Josh is freaking missing. Yes. They kind of stay around the same area waiting for him, right? And then that night, they wake up and they hear him screaming. Yeah, I can't. I think they try to move on a little bit, though. But I, yeah, I can't really tell. Okay. But. Oh, right, right, right. They they decided to go. They were going east or whatever. So they go the opposite way yeah. or whatever. But then they, they hear him screaming that night after they said Yeah, it, it sounds like he's being tortured um, to me. Yes. Uh, I mean, but it's pretty freaking terrifying. And then so... And that's when it's just, you know, obviously Heather and Mike. And so the next day they wake up and there's like the, the package outside. The bundle yeah. of sticks. Yeah. Which, and I guess it's wrapped up with shirt. his shirt. Yeah. 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 I paused it and, and we round it. And, and then when they when she finally opens it. And I think the story behind the scene is that the filmmakers left it out there. And she wasn't supposed to throw it away. And so they had to tell her, no, go look at it. <laughs> so when, oh, my so gosh. So she throws really? it away. I make all these gestures so everyone can see me. <laughs> But when she throws it, that was just her, just the the actress. And the filmmakers had to go, no, just we, we made a little, you have, you have to go look at it. Like we did it. We did gift. a thing. We did a thing. <laughs> uh, we can see a tooth with a root, like a, you know, pulled out from the root and some hair. Oh, I, saw, it's I definitely scary. saw some hair, but, uh, and I figured out the teeth, but uh, it, it just, you know. I also kind of tried to screenshot it and look a little closer because it seems like she moves it. Yeah. And it seems like there's maybe like a piece of brain yeah, or yeah. something too. Yeah, well, I definitely too. screenshotted it, and I couldn't, I couldn't okay. make heads or tails of it, other than to see the hair and what looked like a tooth, but not quite yeah. knowing what it is makes it even. It's reminiscent of a, a Washington Irvin yeah. short story. It's called "The Devil and Tom Walker." I actually read it today. Tom Walker makes a deal with the devil in this story, and then his wife also tries to go and make a deal, but. It doesn't go well, and he later finds her apron wrapped up, and when he opens it up, he finds her 
like liver and heart. And so I, I don't know if that was a, if they knew that reference or if it was something they made up. And then later Tom Walker ends up making a lot of money, but then things don't go so well. He li- lives a miserly life and then he's whisked away by the devil on a horse. But anyway, cool. they camp again that night. And then that's one of the most famous scenes is when Heather has the camera on herself and she's wearing the beanie cap and she's crying and yes. the snotting and, and she um, talks to the camera and she says that they're hungry and cold and hunted. Yeah. And I was thinking that could be the title of the episode, if you like. Me too. <laughs> oh my God. We're so good. Got this podcast down. <laughs> and that's, I mean, that's one of the most iconic yeah. scenes. Iconic in all caps is what I, is what I put down. <laughs> yes. And uh, again, you know, super well acted. Was that scripted, do you think? I mean, it seems like it'd be odd for her just to turn the camera on herself and improvise. I know. I really I really want all the details. Yeah, if I had a guess, that was one of the scripted scenes. So we have the finale. So they wake up again. This yes. is the same night, I suppose, that she's just had her breakdown outside. I'm sure Mike is like, what's she doing? <laughs> <laughs> um, but they go back to bed. They wake up. This time they hear Josh. She's not being tortured. He's actually, like, actively calling for help. You know, we just... Yeah, and it seems like he's saying, please, and someone. Help. (laughs) Help. Yeah, Yeah, well, at some point he starts yelling Mike and Heather. Uh, He's yelling their names. So I wonder if it, is it actually him ever, or is it always the witch? Oh, I just assumed it was the witch. Yeah, me too. Because at some point when they get into the house, it's upstairs, it's downstairs. They can't quite tell where it's coming from, the sound. Mike is kind of leading the way. Heather's trying to catch up with yeah, him. Yeah, it's interesting that Mike is taking the lead. They find this, the yeah, house. They find this house, the biggest fuck no in the history of <laughs> absolutely not in history. <laughs> Which I think is also something to the movie's credit that everybody has experienced. Everybody has found some, like you had mentioned, like playing in the old, you know, plantation area or in the, the grave site. And I remember living in Mississippi, we hiked through all these hills and we ended up finding a small old decrepit house. And inside it had been like, I think it was definitely used for like a haunted house for Halloween. But when you find it like in the middle of July, it's pretty freaky. There was like baby doll heads hanging up and, and things like that. So I think everybody has, has had that experience of finding something. I think I remember in the theater, it's one of the kind of coolest, you know, scariest moments ever. Cause I just remember this, this big sigh rolled through the audience, just like, are you just like, oh no, like, <laughs> yeah, not even like people are scared, it's just like they couldn't even deal with it, you know? Right. Um, it's, it kind of reminds me a little bit of like the end of the Silence of the Lambs, just goes to the basement, it's like, don't do that. Yeah, like, absolutely not. But I guess this is supposed to be Mr. Parr's house, right? That's the idea. Yes. The guy that's killed the kids. Yes. Um, so they go inside, and I think it's fascinating that Mike is kind of leading now, like you said. Right. He has sort of the agency and Heather is slightly kind of over it, you know, like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, she also, she's the one that found the teeth and True. blood uh, yeah. and she, hair yeah. and she didn't tell Mike. Right, right, right. Okay. That makes sense. And I forgot about uh, the handprints on the walls. Yes. I mean, yes. God damn it. And then, and I love how they go through the house. I mean, they go to the downstairs, they go upstairs yeah. and then they end up and going downstairs. Running. They're running around Which makes it scary and, and it, it cuts from Mike's camera to whatever camera Heather has. So you're seeing both. Yeah. The and that scene and, where they turn towards each other. Oh my God. So I don't know why that freaks me out, but, you, but, but I guess you can see the whole context and just how alone they are and how dark it is. Oh God. I'm getting shivers just thinking about it. 
So then they run downstairs and Heather's camera has the last, sh- well, we see Mike's camera and then it gets knocked down. And then we see Heather's camera come down and get the last shot of Mike standing in the corner. Yeah. And then the last shot of, of Heather's camera falling down. And and Heather, by the way, is screaming at the top of her lungs. Yeah. And it's weird because her audio is slightly removed from the camera. It's yeah. weird. It makes it creepier somehow. Um, I will say, like, I have no hair in my head, so I don't know that this happened. But last night when I watched it as an adult, the scene of Mikey in the corner, just with his back, I, my hair on the back of my head stood up. Like I got and you bass- have no hair. I know something happened back there. That's crazy. I guess my That's neck spooky. hair. Right. Yeah, I, I was. I mean, it was that. Uh, I just forgot how effective that scene is. It's just so unexpected. It still scares me so much, and I I think it's great. That ending scene is also kind of a reference to the movie Don't Look Now. Did you ever see that movie with? Um, Don Sutherland. We, oh, we should oh, do that movie someday. That's so. a, kind of a famous one. And that's kind of a, the ending shot that happens. There's someone facing a corner of a stone wall like that, which I wonder if they were trying to reference that. I love a Skarsgård. I love a Sutherland. But I guess the idea is that um, while Mikey has his back turned, Heather's being murdered and vice versa. Yeah. Oh, so creepy. But is it, so is it the Blair Witch? Is it that guy, you know? Right. Is it just all those stories that kind of come together? Have you ever seen the, um, and I have not, but have you seen the deleted scenes from, or the alternate scenes from the ending? I don't think so, but I read about them. So one was supposed to be, he's hanging. Right. They're supposed to be, I guess, much more graphic. Yeah. There's one where he's hanging from the noose. There's one where he's actually like levitating. Hmm. All of it sounds simultaneously cool, and then but at the same time, I'm glad they did none of that because the the way it ends is like. So, do we want to talk about some of the other theories about what's actually happening in this story, or do you care? <laughs> like what? Well, so there's one major theory that like there's no uh, supernatural thing happening at all. That is actually, um, you know, Josh, like you said, there's this backstory that Josh and Heather used to date. Although maybe it's not quite knowledge as much in the final movie. Mm-hmm. But then this whole movie is basically Josh luring Heather into the woods to kill her. Oh my gosh, I hadn't heard that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's apparently a big Reddit theory. Uh, so if you, you can watch it a certain way and read it as almost like this sort of, I mean, it's not quite like a catfish, that makes no sense. But it's basically this ruse to trick Heather uh, into the woods. And Mikey's just sort of in on it. Mikey's like Josh's friend. And it's basically a snuff film. They kill Heather. Uh, and all the supernatural shit is just sort of planted or suggested by Josh. Wow. And That's terrifying. Some of it, yeah, some of it doesn't really make sense because Josh is also hearing these noises. But if you think about, well, they could have been boomboxes out there or whatever, that type of thing. Yeah. So, that, so that's uh, one major theory. Most of the theories just have to do with like it not being supernatural at all. The other theories are the two fishermen are the ones basically pranking him. And in fact, there was actually, the filmmakers actually considered that at one point as that being the big reveal that it was actually two fishermen just kind of hoaxing the whole time, but then they, then they decided it sounded too much like Scooby Doo. <laughs> <laughs> it was the fisherman all along. Well, exactly. that, the older man, the older one, does say like those kids will never learn, right? Yeah. So I wonder if they put that back in there as like an acknowledgement of kind of what they were thinking. How do you think it holds up as in the in the found footage type movies? Like, where would you rank it? I guess I can I put it as the number one, maybe because of just the originality of it. Um, I mean, I love Paranormal Activity, but something in Blair Witch is way more. Well, Paranormal Activity is pretty primal because you have that idea of like you know waking up alone in your bed and maybe there's a shadow on the, whatever it is, you know. Yeah. So that's 
quite effective, but it's still to me not not as effective and as primal and as a uh, kind of universal as a uh, Blair Witch to me. And then you know in the top ten in horror movies generally probably i mean just for the amount of creativity and the, and the sort of pluck with these people to kind of get this done with lo- not very much money in the middle of freaking woods yeah <laughs> with new actors all improvised no special effects people hand making twigs you know yeah they had, they had no clue what was going to happen you know so i also applaud that they didn't know that this was going to take off the way it did do we have any other final thoughts about uh, blair witch or is it bad that it makes me want to go camping? Is that weird? Uh, well, it makes me want to go on a trip. Like a road adventure. trip? Like you want to stop mm-hmm. and get snacks for the road? I get that. Yeah, that was the most exciting part. Yeah. Um, do you want to um, give a spoiler about to what uh, what true crime we're going to do? I assume oh, it's about Blair Witch, I have thought but... of a couple. And they're not like exactly what I call true crime, but they're mysterious and Ooh. scary. Okay, well, they don't, have, they don't have to be true crime. They can be mysterious and scary. Okay, I think they're going to be great. There's a couple of them. I think I might just do two because Ooh, they're, okay. I can't decide. They're both so good. So I'm excited. So yeah, tune in next week for what our true crime will be or our true story will be. I would love to hear people's like spooky uh, wood stories or camping stories or if they've had weird experiences like that. I would love to know those. And I, I'm fascinated by your question about how this movie plays for younger people that just haven't seen it because maybe it doesn't play at all that'd be kind yeah, of interesting maybe they're like this is boring i don't know yeah what is this <laughs> yeah. all right well sounds good and uh, talk to us on all of our our social media stuff yes or if you have any suggestions for movies let us know yeah we haven't decided what our next movie is yet the quarantine's really making us play this by ear even more than usual all right well thanks for listening have a good night good night Bye. Another graceful exit.